Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Um, I'm going to be speaking on prayer uh, this evening, which is your theme, which was what I was asked to be talking about this evening, but um, I want to share a couple of words that have been very helpful to me in evaluating what we're doing and anything that we're doing in the church, anything to do with our lives and the church life. Uh, the two words that I want, if you can bring them up, are, they're, they're words from theology, but don't get frightened by them. They're just basically theocentric or anthropocentric, uh, basically meaning either God is the center or else man is the center. And all that we do, God should be the center. Uh, in a moment, I'll relate to how it relates to prayer. Uh, but it relates to everything, because all was created by him, and all was created for him. And so he must be the center of all that we do. So for instance, worship. Worship needs to be theocentric, not anthropocentric. It needs to be God-centered, not man-centered. But very often we fall into a man-centered that we do it for our own enjoyment. Have you ever caught yourself saying, I wasn't really happy with the worship this morning? Which means that we're basically anthropocentric. If we think like that, what we should be concerned about is, was God happy with our worship? We do it for him, for his sake. Uh, or in our evangelism, why do we evangelize? Often we say it's because people need saving. Uh, but that, and that's true, people need saving. And it's not, it's not wrong to think like that. But it's basically anthropocentric. What is theocentric? Well, that God is worthy of worship. He's worthy that the whole world will worship him. And that's why we evangelize. Recently I gave premarital counseling to a Swedish man uh, marrying a Thai girl who was a Christian, and the man had already made a profession of faith, uh, but he was still struggling in certain areas, and he was saying, in a country like Sweden where we have everything, why do we have to depend on God? Well, the obvious answer is, well, we need to depend on, on him for salvation. But what's a theocentric answer? And what I answered him was, well, God is worthy of him being the center and thus depending upon him and making him in the center of our lives because we're made for his pleasure. That's why we've been created. As humans, we're created for him. Does this make God selfish? That everything is for his glory? Um, or who is the center of God? Or who is the center of God's attention? Well, God himself must be because he is by default, the center of all things. Well, does that make him selfish then? Well, you could say in a sense, yes, he is for himself, for his own glory. All things are for his glory. Yet it's an amazing thing as we give ourselves to him for his glory. He shares with us his abundant life. And this is the abundant life as we yield ourselves to him and see him the center of all things. Then we enjoy that abundant life that Jesus promised to give us. And so it is with prayer too. What is the heart of prayer? The heart of prayer is not that we ask things for ourselves. 
yet often we do, and that's not wrong. Yet the real heart of prayer is that God longs to communicate with you, longs for you to communicate with him. That's basically prayer, and that's why we pray, because he just enjoys you communicating with him. When my father was alive and we were out in Thailand, I'd often try and telephone him. In those days, there wasn't the internet. And I'd try and phone him as often as I could, not because I needed anything, but just because he enjoyed hearing my voice from the other side of the world. He just enjoyed. And so it is with prayer. But I feel, you know, I'm condemning myself in this because often my own prayer is so anthropocentric and I fail so often in communicating with God in the way that God wants me to communicate with him. Now, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you notice right from the beginning of Jesus' prayer how theocentric it is? It's God-centered. It's for his sake and for his glory. He does go on to pray, give us this day our daily bread. So it's not wrong that we pray for our own needs. But the center of prayer is God himself. From the start, he sent us, Father in heaven, may your name be honored. But it's the expression that comes after that that I want us just to reflect upon just briefly this evening. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think when we ask your will be done in heaven, we don't have a real problem with that. We're quite confident that God's will is done in heaven. But I think when we ask for his will to be done on earth, that's more of a problem, that often we wonder, you know, is his will really being done on earth? When we look at the problems in society, and tonight, you know, the, uh, what's it, red? Press red. And you think, you know, the enormity of the problem, you know, how can his will be done on earth? And we live in the mega city of Bangkok, uh, over eight million people. And many people come to Thailand because it's a tourist destination and they, and they really like Thailand because it's so exotic and everything. But if you live there and you start to realize all the problems, the social problems, uh, the corruption, um, the injustices, and it can be a real problem to believe God's will will be done in Bangkok. And we think only one person in 250 or a Christian, so you can get on a packed bus and there can be nobody else who's a Christian, one in 250. There are certain districts where there's no recorded Christian registered. And the word that came to me as I was preparing this is that it's so easy for us to get discouraged. Um, but don't be discouraged. I want to share just two things that helps me not to be discouraged in my mission work. Uh, the first thing is Jesus' parables about the kingdom. We're praying that God's kingdom come, your will be done. Um, particularly the parables of the grain of seed, that the seed goes into the earth and you don't see it. And yet in time it will grow into a great tree and the birds of the air can find support in it. 
And what it's teaching us is that don't worry when it really looks so small. Or don't worry when you can hardly see what God is doing. But God is doing something. Or the yeast in the dough where it's gradually permeating the whole dough and then the whole dough you know, rises. These are the pictures that, God give, uh, that Jesus gives of his kingdom. And these have really encouraged me. You know, when you think in Thailand, then I remember, yeah, only one in 250 people are Christians, yet the Thai church is doubling every 10 years. And so that's an encouragement. When you start to realize, no, God is at work. I don't need to be discouraged because even though I don't see it all at the moment, but he is doing his work. His kingdom is coming. The second thing that's really helped me is to read my Bible and especially Revelation and know how the story ends. I don't know whether you're the kind of person who reads a book and then looks at the last page to find out how it ends before you continue reading the book to see whether the book's going to be enjoyable or not. I don't do that, but I know somebody who does. <laughs> um, but when we read the end of the Bible and we see that Around the throne, all the tribes and the nations and all the languages are there worshipping God together. That's how it's going to end. Uh, and even more, when we look at the last two chapters of the Bible, that not just God's kingdom coming, but heaven coming on earth. The two are joined together. Um, Manchester will probably still be here um, but God's glory filling Manchester. The whole earth will be full of his glory as the waters cover the sea. That's how it's going to end. And that's why I don't get discouraged because I know the beginning from the end. And that's the, the whole story of the Bible. Uh, in Genesis, the beginning, God was with man. So as it were, heaven on earth. God walked with man. But then sin broke that. And then in embryo form, heaven on earth was seen in the tabernacle, in the tent, in particular in the holy of holies. It was literally heaven on earth. The priest had to have a, have a rope tied to him in case he, he, he died in front of God's presence and the, because nobody else could go in, pull him out. Uh, heaven on earth. And then more formally in the temple, heaven on earth in the holy of holies. Then when Jesus came, literally... He is the Emmanuel, God with us, heaven on earth. Uh, what's heaven on earth now? It's me, it's you, it's the church. We're his body on earth. Uh, you are to be literally heaven on earth. Um, and how well do we live up to that? But that's, that's the truth. But then eventually, when Jesus comes again, the kingdom comes in all its fullness and heaven then comes and joins with earth, heaven on earth in all its fullness. Um, this is a tremendous encouragement to me. So don't get discouraged. Uh, discouragement or losing heart is a great threat to our ministry. I refuse to lose heart. I refuse to be discouraged. Uh, even though it's difficult to see how God's kingdom is coming at times, yet we know that he is doing things. It's like the seed, it's like the yeast. 
And it's all in accord with his overall plan that he's working out from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. So we as Christians are optimists. We shouldn't be pessimists. As a Christian, we should be an optimist. Even if football is not coming home, <laughs> God's kingdom is coming home. Amen? Amen. <laughs> so... This is the first thing I wanted to share about God's kingdom, his kingdom come, his work. Don't be discouraged. Um, but what are we doing when we pray this prayer, thy kingdom come? And to be honest, many times we pray this prayer without really knowing what we're praying. Um, and some have a problem with praying it because they're so locked into a theology where well, God's will will be done anyway. So what point is our prayer? You know, his will will be done anyway, so why pray? And it's a valid question, because God is sovereign. Now we've already said that we pray because God wants us to communicate with him, it's relationship, that's the heart of prayer. But does anything happen because of our prayers? Or is God's will always done anyway? Well the Bible shows us that God's will is not always done, but God delights to come into the mess we've made and make his purposes real amongst the mess that we've made. That's what God loves to do. Uh, a very good example of this is in the Old Testament where the people of Israel asked for a king. And we know that that was not God's will because God himself wanted to be king in Israel. They weren't to be like the other nations but they were to find God's will and his kingship through the judges, through other representatives, and so they would really follow God. But they didn't want that. They asked for a king, and so God, in the end, gave them the king. But what did he do through the whole system of the kingship? Jesus came, eventually, as the king of kings. He took what they asked for. It wasn't his will, but he came into the situation, and ruled over the situation and moved it into his purposes. And so Jesus was king of kings. He was of the line of David. There should never have been a line at all in the first place. But God came into the situation and changed it. And so what we're doing in praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're asking for God to come in and to take control in a particular situation. And you may think of any particular situation in your life at the moment. And to pray this prayer means, Lord, come into this situation and take control. Be Lord over it. I was talking to a friend just a couple of weeks ago and she's working with the NHS and very, very busy at work. But she said she was going to give the Monday to prayer because... She wasn't seeing, they weren't seeing the breakthrough in relationships that she really longed to see in the NHS, in, the, in her particular section. And she was going to spend the Monday in prayer, asking God to come in to that situation. And that's really praying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in this situation. It doesn't have to be in evangelism necessarily, but in every situation, because God's kingdom is coming, his will will be done over every aspect of our society. Um, so we should be praying for our schools, we should be praying for our councils, our politicians, Lord, come in to this situation. 
Often we see on the news about what's going on, but we fail to pray. Lord, come in and take control in this situation. Or praying for our police, for businesses in Manchester or wherever, for the media. Lord, come in and bring your rule in this situation. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Finally, it's his will to be done. Not only his kingdom coming in, but his will to be done in these situations. Your will be done. In 1 John chapter 5, we read, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. How do we pray according to God's will? and therefore receive what we ask from him. Sometimes we know what God's will is, and we can pray according to God's will. Sometimes we don't know what God's will is. And we simply pray, Lord, your will be done in this situation. And that's not wrong, and that's okay. But one thing that we've done in Bangkok um, that's helped us corporately to seek God's will together is on the Friday night in the church that we helped start, we, we planted churches and then one of the churches has been planting other churches. But this particular church, um, on a Friday night would be the prayer meeting. It was called the prayer meeting, but we changed the name of the prayer meeting to prayer and listening to God meeting. It doesn't sound very, very good, but, it, but that's basically what it's supposed to be and change the name of it to, to emphasize this is what we have to do, not just praying one direction to God, but listening and, and asking him, what is his will in this situation? Um, and so typically, you know, there'll be the use of the gifts of the Spirit um, in the meeting, waiting on God, a, a particular issue would be brought up, and then waiting on the Lord for what the Lord wanted to say to us about that, and then praying into that situation, and then praying, Lord, come in to this take control in this situation. Um, one example that stands out to me that I just want to share in, in closing is um, when we were starting the church that we helped to plant, uh, there was a small group of us and we were renting um, a premises on the south side of Bangkok, in the Bang Jack area of Bangkok. And at the beginning of June in that particular year, the landlord uh, told us at the end of July he needs the premises back. He needs to use it himself. And we weren't shocked by that because, you know, we were, knew that the Lord, was, we were outgrowing the building anyway, and so we needed to think about moving. And so we came to the prayer meeting, which was on the Friday night, the prayer and listening to God meeting, and we brought the issue to the Lord. And the Lord really spoke to us and gave us that assurance that he would help us to start to buy a place. And more specifically, and I can't remember exactly how it came to us, but it was very clear that he would provide £20,000 by the end of July that would be a down payment and then we would take like, like a mortgage on the rest for the property. Now, 20,000 pounds may not seem very much to you, but in those days, and especially in Thailand, and with a small group of Thai, Thai Christians that were not rich, and we were poor missionaries, um, it was a lot of money. 
Anyway, at the end of the meeting, we, we felt really sure that the Lord was saying this. Uh, everybody pooled their resources, and we had 5,000 pounds, the equivalent of 5,000 pounds in Bath. Uh, that was the beginning of June. And then we prayed and just continued to pray. On the 30th of July, can you imagine how much we had? God had said 20,000, we had 5,000. It was still 5,000 pounds. On the last Friday of the month of July, and that was the prayer and listening to God meeting, and we felt really discouraged because, you know, we hadn't seen any more money coming in. And how could we start to think about buying this new property that we'd seen and we're planning to move out? We should be moving out of the old premises the next day on the Saturday, 31st of July, and then moving into this new place. Um, I, I must admit I was very discouraged. But as we went into this prayer and listening to God meeting, and we just asked the Lord to speak to us, and, and he did. Uh, Isaiah 41 verse 10, you know, fear not for I'm with you, be not dismayed for I'm your God, I will help you, I will strengthen you, I will uphold you. And then the Lord gave us the picture of Moses at the Red Sea and how Moses was just waiting there, but then the Lord told him, don't just wait there, start to walk. And as Moses walked out, the Red Sea parted. And just faith came to us. Uh, to all those in, the, in that meeting, we, we, we came into the meeting really discouraged. We came out of the meeting really, really encouraged that God was going to do something and we should just step out the next day and start to move. And we did that. And as we started to move the next day on the Saturday, we received a, a letter on that very day. And it was totally disconnected to anybody who could have known. In fact, it was an inheritance that was received. And it was for £16,000 on the very day that we were moving out. And so 16 plus five, that's 21. We had 1,000 to decorate the, the, the new building. And you can imagine on that Sunday, the rejoicing, the, the excitement of the Thai believers together. You know, that as we listen to God and pray, God come into the situation and then seeing that God does and his kingdom is coming and we can be encouraged. Uh, but we step out in faith according to what God is saying to us. So just in summary, our prayers are to be theocentric. We pray because he wants us to communicate with him. It's as simple as that. We pray for his kingdom to come, his kingdom to come. It's nothing, really, it's not our kingdom. It's his kingdom. It's his glory. And we're confident we refuse to be discouraged. Uh, can you use the word brothers and sisters still today, or is that all very old-fashioned? I'm 38 years old from the I don't know. But brothers and sisters, don't get discouraged. Don't be discouraged, because we know his kingdom is coming. We ask him to come in, to take control, to rule over whatever situation it is. And we pray according to his will, sensitive to the way the Holy Spirit is leading us in our prayers. So just let's pray briefly and then the leadership, the worship team will come up just in these final minutes just to, to bring together and we can respond in some ways to what the Lord is saying to us. Father, we thank you that 
you just enjoy our presence and want to hear us speak to you. Lord, I confess my failure in this so often and so lacking in prayer. But Lord, help us to learn. Help us to pray according to your will that your kingdom will come, your will will be done on earth as in heaven. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.